0: It's Pride Month at the Pleasure Chest, As most of you doubtlessly know, 2019 is the 50-year anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising, which took place in New York City's West Village just blocks from the flagship Pleasure Chest store, which opened only a few years post-Stonewall in 1971. To celebrate half a century of queer liberation and pleasure activism, this queer-owned and operated sex-positive sex toy shop and community center is offering free shipping all month long at pleasurechest.com. Check out the special LGBTQI-themed workshops this June, including Strap-On Sex for Queers on June 26th in New York City and Trans Sex Basics June 19th in Chicago. And because super hard orgasms are queer culture, show your vibe pride with a free magic wand pin with purchase of any magic wand style, original, rechargeable, and plus at Pleasure Chest stores in New York City, LA, and Chicago. The Pleasure Chest will be out and about at Pride events all month long. Follow at Pleasure Chest stores on social media to find where they're tabling and grab some sexy swag. Happy Pride from Wire People Into That and my loyal sponsors, The Pleasure Chest. And now, on with the show. Hello, and welcome to Wire People Into That live at The Pleasure Chest in New York City. <laughs> Excellent. Well done, audience. Like I said, I'm Tina Horn, and Why Are People Into That is my slutty, kinky, queer, perverted-as-fuck sexuality podcast. I've been producing and hosting Wired People into that 100% independently for five years now. And in the past, oh yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, And in the past couple of years, I've been recording some of the episodes live in front of a studio audience. What constitutes a studio? Anyway, it's you. Um, We're recording live in front of you. And often right here at the Pleasure Chest in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And the main difference between, how many people here have listened to Wired People? into that the podcast please the podcast cannot see your hands
2: please make noise thank you yeah.
0: hear that listeners you're not alone These people listen too. So, so those of you who do listen, thanks for being here to see it live. And uh, if this is new to you, uh, this is basically what it's like. Um, Except that usually on the show, I have one guest and we choose one topic and we go real deep on it. But for the live show, I um, usually choose like one overarching theme and then we cover a bunch of sort of mini topics within that theme and then meander wherever we want to go because it's my show and I like meandering. Also a big difference between the usual show uh and the live show is that instead of one guest I have two and my guests today are Ashley Page say hi Ashley Hello hello and Corey Moore say hi, hi. Hello can you get a little closer to the mic yeah definitely is that better yes that's much better you can even get right up on it if you want yeah yeah Yeah, exactly thank you so let me tell you a little bit about ashley and corey ashley page is a pro dom alpha female and kinky travel companion based in new york city she's been engaging professionally in pleasure and perversion for more than a decade and specializes in the art of catharsis created by her ethereal understanding of visceral connection through holistic kink and companionship every time i read that bio i still it never gets old i still feel tingly the fem daddy of your leather dreams and filthy fantasies so Ashley how's yes. it
1: going I'm doing great how are you Tina?
0: good uh, I recorded actually an entire couple of episodes uh with Ashley recently so you've like been in my cans aka my headphones
1: oh okay <laughs> AKA. all
0: right that's what mm. they call them in the biz teach me something,
2: too.
0: um I'm here to teach and uh so yeah you've been in my cans recently and um And now you're in them again. Yes, I am. It feels like home. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it's cozy. Um, Good, I try to be welcoming. And so, uh, you know, I I don't want to get like too much like into your private business, but you are uh, getting compensated for being here with credit to the pleasure chest. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought I would ask you if you feel comfortable sharing, what do you think you're going to get with that credit?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. Kind of put me on the spot. Uh You obviously, as a sex worker, could say the
0: thing that you want us to think that you're going to (laughs) get. Right. But then, like, spin your fantasy, like, in real time, you know? But you're actually just going to, like, get, like... The homie is
1: automatically like, I need a big-ass bottle of lube right now. Yeah, all the (laughs) lube. And, like, some more butt plugs, but, like... The other part of me is just looking for a big black strap, so.
0: They have that here.
1: Yeah, I know. I've seen. I've seen. I've taken plenty of pictures.
0: Oh, great. Well, now you
1: can. I'm buying. Yeah, you can take that
0: picture and put it in your bag. I don't. What am I saying? Anyway, so you're going to buy a big black strap on?
1: Yes. That's great. One of. I don't know. I'm adding to my roster. I yeah, guess. to
0: your bin. Yeah. Your bin of oh, oh, dicks.
1: It's overflowing now. I should probably get another bin. But here we are.
0: Yeah. yeah. But, uh, do, we, do we sell bins here?
2: <laughs> do
3: we sell stick sadly, bins? <laughs> sadly, no. I don't think so. <laughs> They're not big enough. They're never big enough. Mm. You know? It's a problem I've been running into for quite yeah. some time.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> You're welcome. So to our, our left is the. Uh, Friend of the pod, back again, uh, Corey Moore. Everybody say hi to Corey. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So Corey uh, just put together this bio, and it is delightful. I am excited to read it. Corey Moore is a chameleon with
2: tits.
0: (laughs) A carnal detective. Ugh! I wish I could steal that. A carnal detective and longtime provider of erotic odds and ends, they are a porno newbie and a stripper grandpa. Oh, oh well, this is the right crowd for <laughs> a
2: streamer. Wielding,
0: wielding a Cancer Sun and Virgo Rising, they specialize in curating the perfect experience to make you want your mommy in the worst way. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Um, so, uh, Corey. I wanted to ask you, is there anything that you want to talk about tonight that the crowd might realize uh, about you, but the, the podcasters listening at home may not?
3: Oh, could you possibly mean that I am so, so pregnant? So very pregnant. <laughs> so very pregnant and so very excited to talk about it. Yeah, oh, totally. that one. I'm so glad
0: you're so excited. Yeah, well, you know, the last time I had a very pregnant person on the show, she was like six months pregnant. So I feel like you, I know it's a competition. So. <laughs> you are even more pregnant than Maxine Holloway was when she was on the show.
3: I am. I'm 31 weeks pregnant, which is about seven and a half months.
0: Thank you for translating that. I'm mm-hmm. like, how mm-hmm. many right. that? That means you're in the home
3: stretch okay. is what it means. Cool, cool,
0: cool. And then one day you won't be pregnant anymore. Maybe. Yeah.
3: Maybe not, but Uh, maybe. Yeah.
0: Are you just gonna? Are you gonna be like a like a serial, um, pregnant
2: person?
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've considered it. There are a lot of perks, especially if you live in a city with a subway. Mm. So maybe I put a big gap. This is my second uh, pregnancy, second child. I put a big gap between the first two, but I don't think it'll be the case for the subsequent Mm. seven, eight, or nine. Ooh, a brood.
2: (laughs) Okay.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, talking about such an interesting subject that I know obviously nothing about. <laughs> it's like, so I'm like, how many weeks is that? Um, so I, I really wanted to ask you if you could erase one preconceived notion about pregnancy from the world, what would it be?
3: You know, I have given this question a lot of thought I and bet. picking one thing. You could say top three, you could
0: totally do top
2: three.
3: I think maybe the most important thing is um, the assumption that every moment of pregnancy is this divine celebration. Like people who are pregnant are going through it and some of them are not excited to be pregnant and that's okay Mm. Um, and it's really hard. There's a lot of uh, social expectation around how pregnant people are supposed to carry themselves, how they're supposed to feel about their pregnancy. Um, how they're supposed to feel about potentially parenting, if that's something that they're doing, which they may not be doing. Totally. And, you know, you don't always want to get into it with every single stranger on the street. In general, I think it's polite not to make comments about other people's bodies when you don't know them or they're unsolicited. Yes. But allowing pregnant people to just (laughs) exist in the world and go about their day would be really nice. On the flip side, let them fucking sit down. Like, if you have a seat... (laughs) Um, And they don't let them sit, like it really is a a taxing thing on your body. Can I imagine? Yeah. And yet for a lot of folks, especially if you're someone who was um, socialized in a particular way, you might have been taught not to take up a lot of space and not to ask for things. So you know, the community effort around supporting, like making things accessible for people who are clearly going through it is nice. And then, uh, like, I feel like this shouldn't need to be said, but always, always, always don't touch people that you don't know, especially without asking them.
0: Yeah, you guys can clap for that. (laughs) You know, hearing you talk about it, it makes me think about how I try to think about celebrities when I see them in public, which you do occasionally in New York, where, like, the greatest gift that you could give to a celebrity that you admire, is to fucking leave them alone and like not tell them I like you. They know,
2: they know you <laughs> like them. So you can
0: kind of like treat every pregnant person like a celebrity and just be like, I'm gonna show you how much I appreciated that last record or you on that show by ignoring you or giving you my seat, I guess, which is also what we do to celebrities probably <laughs> and give them free shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really good one. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. So I am... So excited that we are going to talk about <laughs> mommies and daddies today for all kinds of reasons that are probably becoming abundantly clear between uh, Ashley's Tom of Finland shirt and the fact that uh, Corey is hell of pregnant. Um, we're just like literal, figurative, like all kinds of different things. Um, and uh, so, but to begin, both for the folks here and the folks listening at home, I don't always give. Content warnings. I hope that people realize that this is a sexy show about sex and deals in a lot of taboo subjects, but I I thought that I would for this one, and so here goes. So this is the Mommies and Daddies edition of Wired People Into That Live, and we're going to talk about leather daddies and leather mommies as kink personas, and we're going to talk about queer families and what it means to be a queer parent in all kinds of, like, like I said, figurative and literal ways. And we are also going to talk about incest fantasies, emphasis on the fantasy between consenting adults. And this is something very important that I want to say. This is not intended in any way to diminish the very real pain of real incest and abuse. Why Are People Into That is all about having discussions of taboo fantasies in order to undermine abuses of power, not contribute to them. If you need support or information about familial sexual abuse, we want to encourage you to call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673 for free confidential services from experts. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Cool. So, Corey, can you define what leather daddies mean to you? Well,
3: I feel like I should qualify my definition to say that Leather daddy and leather mommy, which are not entirely interchangeable to me but are very connected, are emphasis on the caretaker and de-emphasis on the leather specifically, but rather contextualizing them as leather as being a kink or being a fetish or being a queer practice. To me, a leather daddy is, is a caretaker figure in a, in a queer relationship that has been given a certain amount of power and influence and responsibility in a dynamic for a defined period of time. I come into the idea of being a queer caretaker as a partner, as opposed to a literal parent, Mm. from a place that draws on a history of parental figures in queer community who are not our biological family, right? Like a lot of us who are queer or who are sex working or who are trans, um, and I am all of those things, have um, intense relationships and possibly disconnect from our families of origin, right? And so as we forge Queer relationships, especially if we're people who broke off from our families of origin at a young age, there's a lot of overlap and role filling and kind of fluidity that happens in these different connections. And the roles of, of partner and caretaker, I think, can become really intertwined when you are doing it on your own, right, and figuring out how to build a life together and how to build a family together. And the nice thing about a leather daddy or a queer daddy or a kink daddy specifically as opposed to um, a biological parent is that the dynamic of caretaking and the sex and the responsibility are all engaged in intentionally and consensually. And also, they're not exclusive roles, right? There might be multiple daddies, we might take turns being daddy, which alleviates a lot of the pressure that I think biological parents can feel. There's a lot of expectation to be this one thing, to let go of the rest of your identity as a person, to devote yourself to parenting. And that if you call in the help of other parents, you've somehow failed because in the nuclear heteronormative family, there's one mommy and one daddy and they have very specific jobs and they shouldn't need to be replaced or supported by other people in a similar role. Um, But in a leather family, you might have many daddies and mommies or people taking turns being daddy and mommy. Um, And the, the way that that recognizes our humanity and our limitations is really central to that role for me in addition to the fact that it's taboo and it's dirty and it's something that you're not supposed to be into and that's that's really hot.
0: Oh my God! You just give me life. With, right. That, that was, was beautiful. A, that was fucking amazing. <laughs> I think about this shit all day, every day, and you just blew my mind. Anyway, <laughs> Tina, that was so. Oh, I. I'm so glad that that I get to edit this and listen to it forever. Because I feel like I'm like I need to listen to that again. Wait, I set myself up for that. I <laughs> I got you on tape. Thanks, Corey. So as I've mentioned. Um, Ashley and I already did an episode, a uh, Wired People into Daddy's episode. Did, did anybody listen to that? Cool. Yes, excellent. It was so brilliant and made me squirm a lot. Um, so, because we, we already did an entire episode about daddies on the podcast, I wanted to ask you what is your definition of a leather mommy?
1: Ooh. Okay. Hmm. Well,
0: I not expecting that. You're like, oh, I, I wasn't. <laughs> kind of
1: threw me off a little bit. But I, not to piggyback off of Corey, but I really love the way that you summed all of that up. Um, that was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. In regards to leather mommies, I feel like it is, I feel like a lot of the pressure that is expected and placed on leather daddies. That's not so much there all of the time with other mommies. Mm. Leather Mommies is kind of, um, I won't diminish the responsibility or the role. It is just a different space where it feels safer and softer.
0: Womb like. Womb like.
1: Very warm, just
0: like snuggling up to some.
1: Yeah, it's it's you know when you think of a a mommy in general, right? It's this receptive space. It's for me especially. My thing was, don't tell dad, Mm. right? Don't tell dad. So for mommy,
0: so she's also a co-conspirator, (laughs)
1: co-conspirator, safe space, my girl. Mm. You know, because like it's a very specific role. So leather mommy is that connection, that sisterhood, that. Um, support and also that reprimand, that's what the loving hand in a different way that a leather daddy is, and bringing it back to the queer and the kink and everything. It is that, because we get to pick and choose our family and our family of origin, as you said, sometimes we have our things with those, you know? So Leather Mommy can be that absolute safe space that you've been needing more than anything, you know? Leather Mommy is sacred. Um, as is Leather Daddy, but just a different way. So Leather Mommies are like, ah, the goddess.
2: Mm.
1: Leather Daddy is the God, (laughs) you know, don't necessarily need both.
0: Hmm. Interesting.
1: But you can play both and you can have them all, but Leather Mommy is sacred.
0: Cool. Yeah. So. Something that somebody, well, actually, a lot of people ask me uh, this question, um, and it came up recently because we did this "wire People into Daddy's episode with Ashley, and then I also did a "wire People into Mommy's episode with Chingy out in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so people have been asking me uh, a lot recently what's the deal with incest porn? Um and I don't know if everybody here has, has noticed this, um, or is perhaps into it themselves. Um, but I, I, I feel like Incest or faux incest, like it's not technically, like you're not blood relations, but you're like a, you know, father figure uh, or step brother or whatever. I feel like it's a perennial fantasy topic, but I think it's been on the rise lately. Um, so we could maybe deconstruct like what it means, like what faux cest means in Trump's America. Like, I don't really know if I like can go there. Um, oh, so much groaning. Um, uh, cool. I'm going to steer away from that. But no, I'm I'm going to steer right into incest porn. I
1: That's a safe direction. I right
0: don't here. I know,
1: right? Yeah. It feels like a Feel safe. safe
0: space to me. Yeah. I I don't understand why it's hard for people to understand the appeal of incest porn. To me, it seems very obvious. First of all, like I think that when people don't understand it, it's because like the intensity of the taboo, which by the way, it's a fine taboo.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, uh, you know, there's lots of taboos that I'm like, raise it, you know, burn it, burn it down. But like the taboo incest taboo, I'm like, you can keep that up, but you can also play with it while keeping it there. And so, you know, it's like if you're not, if you bring the framework of fantasy to and, and like taboo transgression to anything, to me, the the, the math is like very simple. Incest represents a an extreme transgression of something totally forbidden for good reason, and simultaneously offers the deepest intimacy and familiarity and love that you could possibly experience that you will probably never experience. Um, so, like the forbidden thing that you're not supposed to do, and you guys have probably noticed that we are turned on by things that we're not supposed to do, combined with like comfort and intimacy, to me that's just like that just like goes together mm-hmm. like peanut butter and jelly. Like maybe peanut butter and jelly that like your stepbrother made for you after school <laughs> when you when he's it's supposed to be babysitting you, but turn. he's like only a year and a half older than you, so like
1: why is he in charge? <laughs> I want a bite of that sandwich. <laughs> well, I have... Uh, you, get a, into you get an incest sandwich.
0: You get an incest sandwich. No, I didn't make any. I'll, I'll have to remember to, like... I just, I, it's I'm, not uncomfortable so quickly. <laughs> I um, have to remember to, like, make props for all of my uh, right. metaphors before
1: I show up. Incest sandwich Oprah. Well, okra. so what do you... What do you <laughs> It's going to be a whole What movement. would Oprah
0: have to say about this? Right. Um, yeah. I don't presume to know. So what do you guys think about incest porn? Why is it so popular now? Okay,
3: well. The <laughs> person who sells um, porn.
0: You both sell porn for a living.
3: Very true. Very yeah. true. Yeah, no, that's true. I think, I mean, Tina, I think you hit the big things right on the head, right? Like, you are not supposed to be into that. So, of course, you're going to be into that. Something that I've been, as I've been, like, thinking about this uh, conversation, um, something that I've kind of been thinking about is that there might be there might be a certain kind of self-serving like almost narcissistic element mm. to in like right like nobody's ever going to know you mm. or see you like your family member yes and also they are a reflection of you right especially right. if you remove that ele- that like kind of comforting element of it's my step whatever right still obviously in the context of something that's a fantasy but in this fantasy where you are Fucking your literal like brother or sister or cousin or whatever it is, you have uh, presumably some shared traits. There's yeah. a little bit of yourself in that person, which oh, so, um, so
0: incest is homo, is what you're saying. You're, it- <laughs>
3: and masturbatory. Masturbatory, <laughs> I think is where I'm <laughs> where I'm going. But yeah, kinda homo. Yeah. Um, they're like
0: uh, they're like literally you. You're you're like fucking it's like fucking your clone.
3: Yeah, it's like your your ultimate in-group, also. It's like you're <laughs> like your everybody's family, whether it's a leather family or a literal family is kind of a secret society mm. right like you have all of this like secret this sex. like weird knowledge of each other's experiences and maybe even of each other's bodies in a desexualized way mm. you know yeah. i don't know it's just a thought
0: yeah it's a great
1: thought <laughs> <laughs> i mean for me yeah it, like yeah, um some of y'all might know this like for my mom This is not an actual fantasy that I have with my mother, let me clarify, all right? But because of my background, right, my mom used to say things like, I brought you into this world, I'll take you out. Mm -hmm. Right? so
0: um, leather mommies of the world feel free to incorporate that into, yeah that's, that's,
1: uh, that's really, really sexy odd. taking it into just incest fantasy only i do not fantasize about my mom mm. she's bad but no um mm. but like taking it into that place of just that power dynamic this place of like i'm not supposed to do this i'm not supposed to feel these ways but you have this power you know me better than anybody else
2: mm.
1: i came from you mm. You could do things to me that nobody else could, right? Like, it's a whole thing. And taking it into the context of, like, I'm queer as hell, right? Like, I'm kinky, so, like, my leather mommy archetype people that fit those molds for me, they did kind of bring me into this world. They did kind of help me to mold me into who I am, you know? And it's a good fantasy to play into, man. Well,
0: right, because then conveniently you're not related to them. Right, (laughs) right. That's what's so great. Yeah, leather families are, like, you know that's one of the many ways that they and queer families are an improvement over biological families because you Uh know you know you can you can you can do those things yeah you can do that free of any you know i mean obviously this is social transgression going on but you know what i mean it's like you're not related to them so that's convenient
1: and that's the safe space (laughs) like you can i feel like with the leather families with kink queer families these families that we build we share a lot of different intimacies and vulnerabilities and sides to ourselves that we would not share with anybody else mm. you know especially your mommy type or your daddy type whoever that is you share so much with them right so to like tap into that especially with porn and do all of the filthy things ah oh, that is a happy place to be why not explore it i also just thinking about
0: it from like a like a craft perspective as a pornographer i'm just thinking about like You know, the set is like really simple because it's just like you live in the same house, so you know you just like you just like what's the scenario? I came home, you know, (laughs) and
2: you were there, (laughs) and
0: it's it's like something so simple is like also like a. Transgression, like people can do like elaborate like whips and chains and latex polished and like all of this stuff, but it's like I just came home to the house where we both live is like actually much darker than any of that freaky shit. So that's kind of fun.
3: Mm-hmm. It is. Can I also add, I think, um, is specifically thinking about these fantasies in the context of mommies and daddies and queer and leather mommies and daddies specifically, there is, um, kind of like you were saying, like there's so many things that our mommy or daddy can do to us or can do for us. And in the context of c- growing up queer, not like literally growing up from being a child, but from that time, you know, when you come out and you're a baby queer to what? when you kind of get your bearings, there's a lot of learning and teaching that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And your mommy or daddy is in this like prime position to do that teaching for you. And so there's also this element of, um, or I think there can be this element of alleviating pressure, alleviating nervousness, especially like if you were raised to be a straight person and we were all raised to be straight people because it's presumed and compulsory, um, you're supposed to just kind of know what to do when it comes to intimacy and sex and dating. In ways that nobody actually does, but that queer people especially don't and oh, are allowed to not. Oh, I straight people
0: did know what to do, just naturally. Have <laughs>
1: you been with them?
0: Sadly, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't know what to do.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> anyway, please go on.
3: Yeah, no, I just think you know when we when we're in a space where we're allowed to acknowledge that we don't know what we're doing it alleviates a lot of that pressure and being in a position where there's also a power dynamic, oh, this is mommy and me's little secret and she's taking me through this thing that I don't know what's happening but I'm learning, Um, also alleviates all of the guilt that is underlying all of the like nasty queer sex that we wanna have because it's not our responsibility anymore. Mm. We're not in charge of what's happening, we're not in control of what's Mm -hmm. happening. Even though it's negotiated, it's consensual, we are very much in control of where it begins and ends. In the fantasy, we're not and so we don't have to feel bad about these like dirty, disgusting things that we want, which allows us I think to be a lot more present for all of the like dirty, physical disgusting deliciousness. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah.
0: Yeah. And to and to have experiences and to make ourselves vulnerable and to try things and to put ourselves out there and to get through those like awkward that, that awkward stage of your like second adolescence of like being a baby queer. Mm-hmm. Totally.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe to be spoiled a little bit, oh, yeah. being right. like that center of attention of being mommy or daddy's plaything. Yeah, being the brat,
1: mm-hmm. you know, like it's. Oh yeah, you love that. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> 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 don't look at me. No, but I love. I love that you brought
0: up <laughs> secrets, you know, because like that's another thing is because we all know this is something that you're not supposed to do. Like if you're playing house, then it's like really there's like all these scenarios that like come up right away of like secrets and sneaking around and who doesn't love a secret
1: we all love secrets oh my god like they're so good
0: i mean this is this is definitely getting into some more like sociological territory as opposed to fantasy territory but i just thought i would go ahead and bring up the topic of genetic sexual attraction. Uh, do you guys know about genetic sexual attraction?
1: We talked about it a little bit on the show. Yeah.
0: Do you know about it, Corey?
3: Only the littlest bit.
0: I mean basically it, it just it, it's an actual scientific or psychological phenomenon where people who did not were not raised with their uh, like their blood relatives meet their blood relatives later in life and then feel really drawn to them. Uh, and because they didn't grow up with them in familiar roles, they translate that uh, that attachment as erotic, right? Because they're adults the first time that they meet them. Uh, and so people experience this sometimes. Sometimes people consummate it. It's obviously, like, extremely controversial. Um, uh, but, I, you know, it's, like, an interesting sort of, like, phenomenon to think about like how much like the, tab- the incest taboo is a social construction and like to what degree like might that like intimate like being like intimately drawn to someone be something that adults can consent to I mean it's kind of an interesting ethical question like do you guys think that it's like ethical to like fuck your sibling if you like weren't raised together <laughs> You're like, I thought we
2: were going to talk about fucking on this podcast.
3: <laughs> no, it's, it's funny because the question that is underneath that that is not asked in this moment is, is it ethical to fuck your sibling yep. that you were raised with? Yeah. Um. You said it, not me.
1: <laughs> I mean, either way, they're your sibling.
3: <laughs> what does
0: the crowd think? The crowd has opinions. Let's take a vote. Um, I mean, I don't, okay, is incest ethical? Under what circumstances would incest be ethical?
1: All right. We're gonna go uh, down never. this road. All right, we're gonna go, we're gonna do it. All right, all right. So, No stone unturned. No. All right, all right, here we go. All right, for, you, for those of you that don't know, born in the South, right? There's a lot of mixing and mashing mm. there. Um, smashing. So much smashing. Uh, when is it okay to fuck I'm a relative? not saying when, like or is, is, it is it ever
0: okay? Yeah, yeah is it ever okay?
1: Okay, before we had the technology that we do today, mm-hmm. right? Before we could like get your blood and test my blood and see like do we have any genetic I'm markers that are assembled? Cherokee, mm-hmm. yeah. right, yeah. right, or so. like you're my cousin from down the street, right? right? Like before we had that ability, there was this question was very different,
2: mm.
1: right? Like if I'm however many cities away and somehow run into a distant cousin that's seven relatives down, yeah. right? And we are attracted because we did not grow up together. And there is that similarity, and we are narcissistic individuals, and we do seek ourselves in our partners in whatever facet, right? Is it okay? If I found out later, would I feel some kind of way? I mean, that's the question, that's right? That's the question! Like, like if like, you
0: found out, would you be like, ah, 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 gross, I have to take a million showers, and, like, I sleep mean, in I mean, you an definitely autoclave.
1: still had sex with your cousin. Yeah. Um, and would you stop? I mean, automatically, I'm just like, well, how good is the sex? Right. Like, I know it's, it's we said we're going to go there, y'all. Listen, so bear if you're going cor- to do the crime. Like, if you're going to do the time, you might as, right, as well do the if crime. you, like, ran into your cousin, you didn't know it was your cousin, y'all started doing the do, and the do was good. <laughs> then you found out, like, three months later, that's your cousin, yo. And you, like, have all kind of feelings, and you're wrapped up.
2: I'm gonna plead the fifth. I mean, there's certainly
0: the there's certainly the argument to be made that once you found that out, it would be even better.
1: Yeah, (laughs) and then it's like, well, do you both know? Does one of you know, and the other one doesn't know? Because that, like, I would say, I'm a sick individual.
0: (laughs) Oh, you're gonna say the opposite of what I was gonna say. (laughs) Would you enjoy it more if you knew and they didn't know? Oh, my
1: God, yes. So much more. <laughs> I'm so just going to go on I record. would make uncomfortable, like, references. Be like, how's Aunt Sharon? I mean, how's your, how's your mom? <laughs> oh, no. She good? She all right? Heard you, had a, heard you had a little brother coming. You know, like, I would make uncomfortable references like that. So maybe I'm it's go okay. On the record, and
0: say that if you had that information, I think that you would be ethically um, obliged to share it, and then decide together if you wanted to keep
1: smashing. Right, right. And I say this in fantasyland. Like, I'm not. Don't fuck your cousin, man.
0: It is legal to marry your cousin in it's many states. It's legal to do a lot
1: of things in many states. I'm just, mm. I'm just
0: saying, like, cousin incest is maybe considered different by some people
1: right and that's the thing like cousin incest is one thing if you're that's like you know you're let me see let's say it's you're a couple relatives out it's completely different if like it's your brother but
0: why is it different or your
1: sister it's close man like that's really close you came out of the same well that is the question yeah for some it could make it hotter for me, definitely not trying to fuck anybody that shared the womb with me. Right. Uh, Fantasyland. I'm totally fucking my brother. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Fantasyland.
0: Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Is it ethical? (laughs) Who is it ethical to fuck? I've lost track.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Your cousin. It's ethical. It's ethical to fuck people who have the same amount of power as you in that moment. Boom. Um, Like I really, I don't have any gut reactions to any of these questions until you raise the question of does your cousin know? Because then there's a power differential, which for me would be something fun to play with in fantasy, but in real life would be a really hard stop. Um, Also,
0: does your cousin know? Sounds like a country album, or?
3: <laughs> should I yeah, definitely Yeah, yeah on yeah. It? Yeah. I, do, I do feel a differentiation between should you fuck and should you reproduce with, right? Like, yes, science yes. seems to encourage us to diversify the gene pool mm. and perhaps reproduce with people who are not our immediate siblings. Which
0: may be a large part of where the incest taboo comes
3: from. Maybe. Is to discourage but, such things. Right, but most of the sex that we're having is not for reproduction. Um, you're telling me probably I hope god I don't know (laughs) you know what let me not actually speak for other people (laughs) as the eight month pregnant person let me say most of the sex that we're having is not for reproduction yeah
0: right now all the Um, the sex you're having is definitely exactly yes and pregnant people
3: still have sex they do even though there's no like biological drive because it's not gonna reduce Um, anyway Um, yeah so and the, that's even really the main difference for me between these questions of your cousin, your brother, your mommy or your daddy.
0: Your uncle, I, your aunt.
3: Right, like who in those relationship scenarios has power over you, mm-hmm. who, when the question is did you grow up with that person or not, did they spend your whole life watching you, bathing you, feeding right. you, teaching you how to drive and whatever, whatever, and so they're an influential. You,
0: having authority yeah. over you. So they're an influential you figure. Right. In all the ways.
3: Um, if you are somebody who raised a small person, like you are going to have a power that they are never going to be able to negotiate away from you, no matter how consensual you think it is, and therefore you should not touch them.
1: Right. Regardless or, of age.
3: Yeah, yeah. Regardless. Regardless. Right. Because that doesn't, like, that differential doesn't go away. Mm. But, you know, your, so co- like, your cousin that, like, you what saw every Christmas for a few years that's the same ish age as you that understands your life experience but was never, like, <laughs> In charge of you, mm. who's basically just a, another person in the world. I, whatever, man. Yeah. 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 Although, see, there's like the hot sex,
0: but then there's like the good judgment because, like, the thing about fucking your cousin is that, like, family if
1: reunions are awesome. Family
0: reunions. <laughs> but also, like, even going back to what you were saying about, like, if the sex is hot, then, and you find out you might keep doing it, like, I guess that's like one advantage is like, if the sex isn't that good, then you can like break it off by just being like, you know what, we're cousins, right. so we should this probably is stop. Right, uncomfortable. Yeah. But then you do have to probably see them for the rest of your life. And I'm always looking for like, in my sex partners, like a quality where I may at one point ha- get to never see them again. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like always something that I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. And a cousin can never provide that for me.
1: Nope, you're bound.
0: Yeah, you're bound, yeah, Yeah, which,
1: you know. Sometimes that's hot, but no, I don't want to see you at family reunions if we broke up.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yes, should you fuck your cousin is a bullet point on this list. We hit that one up. Um,
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite
0: Okay, so l- let me let me ask about, do you think it's different based on like what actual family members you have? For example, uh, I have a sister and I don't have a brother, and so I have like a serious brother fetish. Mm. Um, but I'm not I'm not saying like correlation's not always causation. I'm not saying because I don't have a brother. I want to fuck people that I want to be my brother. like obviously some people who don't have brothers. Aren't like that, Um, but like if somebody's an only child and they have no idea what it's like to have a sibling, for example, like does that change it? It like if you like don't have a relationship with your father, but you're like seeking daddy's like, does that like does that change in what way? Does that change it? Is this even
1: an interesting question? I mean, yeah, it's an interesting question. I think it goes back to you know kind of bridging that gap between. Uh, trauma mm. right and um, love and just where you want to be right you can just like re structure certain trauma patterns and if you don't have that relationship with your dad you can you know go out and have kinky leather daddy kink daddy fantasies and work all that shit out BDSM yeah. sex kink connection it's great for that you know yeah. and it's it's a wonderful means to go about that so yeah it's 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 necessary.
0: I just feel like a lot of these archetypes that we were talking about, like the the like nurturing mommy and the like, uh, you know, stern caregiver disciplinarian daddy. Like these are archetypes that we see in like pantheons, and they're archetypes that we see in like uh, fiction and media uh, and like symbols and in advertising and art. Um, but we also have these like deeply like personal relationship to like what each of these archives like also mean to us. Mm. Um, so I don't know that that could have an effect on how you eroticize those archetypes, but it doesn't have to. There's no, there's not like a one-to-one correlation between them. Right. What do you think,
3: Corey? I think that tragically every real-life iteration of our fantasies is always going to be a little bit of a disappointment. Mm. And so if you don't have an actual brother, your brother fantasy has limitless potential. Yes, it does. um, Which is great. (laughs) You just have to keep... like You just got to find the right brother. Um, But if you... Maybe. um, But if you have, like... Let's say you're in a leather family and you have a leather sister and your leather daddy arranges like this nasty play date for the two of you and it's like... Eh, you're still stuck with it, kind of like the family reunion thing. Like you're still stuck with that person. So there's not as, um, and they're also going to bring their real own like human flaws and like weirdness and things into, um, into that dynamic. As far as the like projection of the fantasies in general, right? Because we're not doing any of these things with our literal siblings. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I come from a gigantic family. I can't imagine what it's what it's like to not be surrounded by many of those relationships, like siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And, you know, interestingly, I've always been, like, really attached to this point that my mommy-daddy fetish is specifically not incestuous. Like, Mm. incest hasn't really been Mm. my thing. It's been a really interesting, like, thought experiment. And as I've, like been more exposed to porn I, has been, like, something that I've, like, thought a lot about. Um, oh, were you corrupted by porn? They were right. Obviously. <laughs> no, like, I don't know. It didn't come up really organically for me, although I did uh, date somebody for a while who I'm pretty sure was, like, super into their sibling, mm. and I kind of, like, understood it mm. as mm. as it was happening. It was like, oh, like, you and this person, like, understand each other on this level that nobody ever will. Okay?
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, has Have you guys seen the 90s movie based on a play, House of Yes? Have you guys seen it? Has anybody seen no. this movie? It's a Parker Posey movie. You've seen it, Troy. Yeah. Yeah, So it's a Parker Posey movie from the 90s. I don't know if there's any relationship to the aerial dance place in Bushwick called House of Yes. Maybe they named it after this weird Parker Posey movie from the 90s. I don't know. But um, uh, I'm going to spoil it. So, like, if you dig up your VHS copy and watch it again. Anyway, so in this movie, like, real quick rundown, there, there are these twins. Uh, you can see where this is going. And, uh, and they, it's, like, revealed in the end of the movie that they had an incestuous relationship. That was a quick summary. And uh, lots of other things happened involving, like, Jackie O. It's really weird. But at one point, the, the uh, so their fraternal siblings, uh, male and female, and the male sibling says to his girlfriend, played by Tori Spelling, by the way, when he confesses or or she like discovers that he had like grown up having an incestuous relationship with his twin sister, she's like understandably very upset. And he says to her, Do you when I'm masturbating, do you think of that as cheating? And she's like uh no, I guess not, which by the way, I'm sure as we all know that there are some people who think that masturbation is cheating. They're wrong. Um I mean, whatever. Everybody can like decide what their boundaries are, but that's No, no, you're wrong. Ridiculous <laughs> and wrong. Um please uh, don't don't say that <laughs> um anyway so so yeah so he so he says is masturbation cheating and then and then like some other action happens and it's never really like dwelt on but but the implication is that for him having sex with his twin sister is like the same as masturbation which kind of goes back to what we were talking about before about like uh this
1: extension of yourself
0: yeah exactly yeah. um i don't know what do you guys think about twin fest
1: bl- masturbation do you remember that snl skit which one? Uh they're like they're brothers. I mean they're like brother and sister. It's Oh, they're the ice skaters. Oh. It, yeah, yeah, and they're just uncomfortable to watch.
2: <laughs>
1: I'm uncomfortable thinking about it, but you know,
0: whatever works. Gosh, that reminds me of when Angelina Jolie brought her brother to the Oscars, when she won an Oscar, do you guys remember that? So and that like was made out one, with him?
1: Yeah. that was one incestuous situation I was kind of for.
0: Yeah. I believe you. Yeah. Was he even really her brother? I don't know, but it was just Where beautiful to guy? watch. Yeah. 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 That was some twin cest And they were on. consenting. It was, I mean, that's the thing is yeah. that, yeah. I mean, going back to what Corey was saying about power, right? I mean, like who are you on a more level playing field with than your twin, I guess. Um, although I suppose if you know twins, the person, the one that like came out first is always like, I'm older. <laughs> you
3: know. I think we also have a social habit of kind of mythologizing and even maybe dehumanizing twins a little bit. Like yeah. True. twins are like, like unicorns. Twins are like this thing that you look to spot out in the world. And if you're like, a straight man, twins are like, if you hook up with twins, it's not considered incestuous, it's like you're getting laid double, right? right? right. They're not even their own people. Maybe that's what it is, is we don't see twins as their own people. We right. see them as like this Deep magical place. unit and they're like a novelty and therefore it's outside of actual human beings who are in families because they're just like this interesting thing to us. But yeah. Is oh, that no, because like
1: we're engaging with twins rather than twins engaging with one another?
3: Right, I th- when we think of twin-cest, I don't know what twin-cest would feel like or th- how it would resonate to, an- to someone who was a twin. Right. But when I think of like our social perception of twins hooking up as being separate from, like, incest, I think it's maybe as our, our like, dominant perspective as mostly people who are not twins.
0: Yeah, um, well, that actually is something that happens in porn sometimes, where that, that's, like, a real get if you can get... Uh, siblings in in a group scene or like a threesome yeah, mm. I mean, all of this is like ultimately like Corey said, like g- getting to this place where uh, in my fantasy I'm like dehumanizing like these people as individuals and thinking of them as one entity, but like sorry <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> you were born into this guys,
0: <laughs> yeah, you had to go split, you know, and, and from one I don't really know anything about how babies are made
1: (laughs) that's a whole nother conversation for another day
0: Uh, um okay do i have anything else that i um that i want to you know ashley and i were having this conversation in a bar the other night and i was like what should we talk about and she brought up arrested development the television program um and uh, uh it reminded me that at one point I was watching Arrested Development very stoned probably for like the third time cuz I was very into the first couple of like seasons of that show and like I, I just became obsessed with the incest subtext mm-hmm. of that of that show and was like I'm going to write an essay about it and then I never did <laughs> until you reminded me Did uh, you write that essay? No, uh, <laughs> oh,
1: sorry. Got distracted <laughs> been focusing on the right I'm thing. I'm busy. No,
0: <laughs> I have to pitch it. So if you're listening and you would like to commission that um I am ready.
2: <laughs> it's such a
0: great pitch, but what what made you bring up Arrested Development?
1: Ah, uh, it's just such a great show, man. And the, the way that they do all of the incest play, it's so subtle. Yeah, it's like it's subtle and overt and disgusting, but so right. Like Wait, they like do the, it well.
0: So there are cousins who, there's and cousins. Like one of them has a crush on the other one. And well, that's, like that's George and
1: maybe. And then there's like another set of cousins, and it's like the distant cousin that you didn't know was your cousin, and then you find out you fucking your cousin, but they weren't. They just made out. Um, right and then like all of the stuff the mom is just
2: oh
0: and there's like definitely an edible complex yeah. thing with buster and the mom anyway yes. now we're just talking yeah. about a show that half of buster you and the
1: mom is just they're just such a twisted dynamic yeah it's so great to watch but it's the most incestuous thing yeah. ever he is her or she is his only partner the only one that matters through everything. He
0: finally has sex with a woman. And it's another mom. Whose name is also Lucille. Yeah. Yeah. It's disturbing on so many levels. It's so good. And it's Liza Minnelli. But anyway. Yeah. um, Yeah. And then also, like, everybody sings karaoke to Afternoon Delight and then they, like, get really uncomfortable when they're like, oh, this song is... Very sexual. Um, anyway, but and then Corey has never seen Arrested Development. I assigned it to you. And what no, are you? No, so I read busy? a lot
3: of Wikipedia about it though. <laughs> yesterday,
0: what does Wikipedia have to say? Did you go to the like,
3: Arrested like Development. subreddit
0: of incest in Arrested Development?
3: No, I had to stay on Arrested Development because there are a lot of plots going on. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's yeah. true. Um, yes. Did you have something to say? It's a
3: fantastic question. Let me rephrase the question.
0: <laughs> okay, the audience member uh, really likes nipple play and was thinking about like if they were breastfeeding, like, and they were turned on either by like a nice sensation or a painful sensation, both of which they find arousing, like, and they were like aroused by like being stimulated, like, by the like young human that they were breastfeeding, like, where, uh, like, what are the complicated ethics of that? So I'll. I have no idea.
1: Bodies are funny, mm. right? Um, I am a massage therapist, a licensed massage therapist as well. And bodies do all kinds of different things, whether you're thinking about trying to do something or not, right? Um, oftentimes, I'll relate it to those that have penises that are on the table, right? Oftentimes, you can get to like a state of just being so relaxed, and you're hard. Right. It's not because you are fantasizing. It's not because you're turned on by this person. It's just a response that your body is giving. You know that you like nipple sensation. You know that you like pain and stimulating your nipple is going to result in a certain simulation or sensation. There is a space of like being able to tap into that and go into a sexual space and being able to tap into it and be like, okay, this is a sensation, and going about your day. It doesn't have to become a sexualized thing because your body is producing a response that you can choose to take into a sexual direction or non-sexual.
0: That's a great answer.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Mm
0: -hmm. Corey, do you have something to say about this?
3: (laughs) I do, actually. (laughs) Um, So to share with you all a little bit personally on this subject, but um, as I mentioned, this is my second child and I breastfed my first child. and i'm also somebody who is deeply invested in nipples and the way that they feel whether that's good you or got, you, bad you, you and i think stock it's great and nipples <laughs> oh my god I, yeah. that's going great I'm for very, you. <laughs> <laughs> i wish no, i gotten I'm, ahead
0: of that like <laughs> <Right>?
3: <laughs> probably the biggest um, the biggest point of angst in my early transition when i was taking testosterone and considering top surgery was whether i would ever be able to orgasm again if i didn't have nipple sensation and ultimately that mm. led me to like i'm not going to do this surgery for maybe ever um And then I got pregnant. And then I had a baby. And I think, like, Ashley hits the nail on the head. Sometimes your body just has reactions to things um, that are just responses to stimulation or a state that you're in. And that's, um, you don't need to assign that to anything or project anything to that. That being said, um, for all of the things that I love having done to my nipples, good God, breastfeeding, (laughs) is a different kind of pain than the kind of pain that we play with intentionally. Breastfeeding, especially if you're also pumping, which a lot of people do to keep up their supply or to have milk on hand for someone else to take a turn feeding the baby, um, dries your nipples way the fuck out and you can find yourself in a position where you are losing chunks of skin and they're so swollen and so chapped and so dry and so tender that um, good luck eroticizing it. (laughs) Even if... um, Good
0: news. Yeah, good news. (laughs) You'll be fine.
3: (laughs) I mean, breastfeeding is like, it's lovely and it's beautiful and the connection that you experience with a kid that you're feeding is really intense. And also you... um, your body produces lots of oxytocin, which is the like love and bonding hormone while you're nursing, which also helps to anesthetize the pain of your body recovering from giving birth. Right? Um, if you were the birthing person, your uterus has to shrink back down to size, and it does that by contracting, and those contractions are painful, much like being in labor. Um, but the hormones that you feel while you're bonding with your baby and nursing your baby help to make that hurt less and also help to speed that process along. So there are lots of complicated things going on that involve lots of emotions and a lot of stimulation. Um, but, you know, i it seems unlikely to me given all of the factors and all of the things that are happening that a person would find themselves like highly sexualizing or seeking out that practice with their infant for that specific um, purpose. I'm very pro like adult nursing relationships and I think one of the reasons is that you don't nurse an adult anywhere fucking near as much as you nurse an infant so they're not going to hurt you in that way um (laughs) that your baby will (laughs) um and yeah like things that are happening in your body are fine and anything that feels nice that's happening while you're recovering from something that is magical but also extremely traumatic you should give yourself a break on um but the nipple sensation that you feel when you're nursing and pumping is very 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 different even if it leads to some type of result um which it may not even if you're someone who like orgasms through nipple stimulation normally um it's really really different from what you're doing in like intentional play have a mommy story
0: oh yeah what's your mommy origin story
1: so like i'm about to call you
3: out ma'am. oh
0: yeah <laughs> oh yeah
1: So Troy is sitting in the audience. Troy Arlene. Friend
0: friend of the pod. The
1: wonderful (laughs) entity that she is. Mm. She's graced us with her presence. So this one is the first person that I called mommy. Mm. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. So like, Straight to the top. Right. So I had been like fangirling over Troy for quite some time. Finally met her, like been friends for some time now. But like, I think it was right before you told me about that incest dinner. And there was something that you did. I think you, I was like, we were at your place. We might've been having a drink with the girls and like you smacked me on my butt and I was like, ooh, mommy. And I know I'm into daddies, right? Like I'm really into daddies. Um, But that was a very, very particular moment where I was just like, I think I like Troy more now. Like, I didn't know that I was going to be pushed to this point, and it wasn't this intentional. It wasn't a scene. It wasn't anything. It was just this, like, little exchange. I'm just like, Ooh, Troy! oh, Troy. Ah, yeah. Mommy. One. Hit me, Mommy. Hurt me, Mommy. It was a good Mommy moment. So that's my moment. That it was a good one. It was a good
3: one. Corey? Oh, gosh. You know... <laughs> I don't remember the first time that I called somebody daddy, um, but I do remember the first time somebody called me daddy, mm-hmm. and it was um, uh, not entirely unexpected. We had kind of t- like skimmed the surface of how our dynamic was starting to feel like that was what it was, um, but when I finally heard it, oh my god, it was just the most like affirming and delicious and also terrifying. It was this moment of like, okay, I'm here now and now I have to like step up to this this role that I've just like officially transitioned into with you. Um, And yeah, it was like really emotional and I am not always an emotional person when it comes to sex and play. I prefer those things to be like neatly compartmentalized. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, it just, it was, like, kind of heart-stopping. Mm, cool,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, like, Daddy, I've been talking a lot about uh, Daddy on the show this year, Daddies, the archetype of Daddies and Leather Daddies. Um, but it's actually one of the very few things that I, like, that I have, like, an instinct to keep somewhat private from this show. So that's a mm. tease.
1: And, okay. <laughs> uh, <hey. laughs> All right. Um, It's gonna dangle that
0: carrot, huh? (laughs) So uh, I was like sitting here being like, am I? And I was like, no, actually, I'm not. So there you go. What's your serious (laughs) question? (laughs) So the question is, what what does daddy play have to do with the patriarchy? And I think my answer is everything and nothing. What do you guys think?
1: Essentially that, yeah.
0: I mean, in the sense that Daddy is an archetype that both represents, like, our literal genetic predecessors and also, um, like, the idea of, like, what a father is supposed to be, which is, like, culturally specific uh, in in various ways um, and uh, also, like, changes, has, has changed over time and, you know, like literal, actual dads are like, how do I live up to this, you know? Um, uh, which I, I feel like Corey addressed very well, like, the idea that, like, because it's an archetype, it's sort of more, like, open source, and you get to, like, play with it and fuck with it. Um, but I I think that, um, I mean, there is, like, a fuck you dad element to it. Is that, like, what you're asking? Like, there's this, like, I don't need you element to it where you're, like... Like I don't need to like rely on the patriarchy for like all of these things that like a daddy can make me feel. That's kind of how I feel about it's like its relationship to the patriarchy is that it doesn't have to have one.
1: I feel like it doesn't have to have one. Um, it definitely can, depending on how far you focus in on it, right? Um, for me and all of my daddiness, there's definitely like a a fuck you, dad. I can do it better. Right? And not like my dad, Mm. completely, but like.
0: Like the dad, yeah. Yeah,
1: like the dad, right? (laughs) There is this like, I am a femme daddy, Mm.
2: Mm.
1: right? I'm daddy 100%, but I am a femme, right? Those limitations of what the patriarchy puts on the role or the title of man and daddy, I get to blow right past that and say, suck my dick. This is a motherfucking daddy, right? Mm -hmm. So there is that attachment there. (laughs) But it's also not there at all.
0: It's there because it's not there. Come on. (laughs) That's how sex
2: works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You had a question? Yeah, so the question is, like, in what ways can mommy and daddy play, or maybe even incest play in general? Uh, overlap with consensual non-consent play, and I—I I, I mean, I think that the like obvious answer is that uh, it goes back to what Corey was saying, which is that when there is a, a power dynamic about like the ethics of incest, that like if there is a, a power dynamic, that that's like part of the reason that incest is taboo mm-hmm. <laughs> and and should be, is that um, older folks are you know authority figures, uh, people who have like actual power uh, over younger people not necessarily not necessarily younger people um but often even even if both parties are consenting or or feel that they are consenting there is like an an exploitation of power going on you know which is why like actual incest uh especially when one person has a clear uh has clear power over the other is um uh, fucking disgusting <laughs> mm-hmm. and and awful and it, it why, like why it's abuse that that's why that's like the difference between B, this is this is an example of the difference between bdsm and abuse when we're playing with the fantasies of these archetypes it's totally it, it, it can be it has the potential to be totally healthy and totally consensual if all if everyone involved is a consenting adult um and so yeah I mean listen as someone who is like a longtime fan of creepy uncles um, (laughs) like but you know like like creepy uncle play creepy uncle play I'm like all about like a like a you know but like the reason that that's hot is that if in like literal real life like an uncle was like doing the things that sleazy uncle Steve was like doing to me it would be it would be bad and that's why it it feels dangerous it feels wrong and it feels it feels wrong to desire it also Mm -hmm. feels wrong to like desire to be exploited by his sleazy Uncle Steve, but it also feels great.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, this kind of uh, relates to the question that was asked immediately before. Um, when I, so I was raised Catholic, um, mm. and in my theological upbringing was this conflation of the father and, like, God, and so not only is there, like, the social archetype of, of daddy, but there's this, like, omnipresent daddy who is like watching your every move mm-hmm. with this impending really intense punishment for when you fuck up um, and so for me he sees you when you're sleeping he does and knows when you're awake he does that's a
0: catholic thing right yeah is yeah Santa Okay. It's totally uh, <laughs> I know even less about Christianity than I do about pregnancy apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so so
3: Right on so. brand.
1: You know. <laughs> right
0: on Thank brand. I think I'm cons- nothing. I'm not consistent. <laughs> anyway, go on.
3: So, for me, playing with the notion of, of daddydom, it's really important to be extra, extra mindful of the ways that we're inclined to be obedient for our daddies yes. um, and to make sure that the power that I'm u- utilizing is power that was given to me and not power that I'm taking or taking advantage of. And mm-hmm. so, I don't, I like, I, and I mean, I can only speak for myself, but I don't feel the same kind of free reign in scenes where I'm somebody's daddy and it feels um, a little bit more precarious to me. Um, which just manifests as being really intentional about the things that I'm doing in a way that feels really different. Like I find a lot of my fuck you feelings around mommy play because I have fucking processed so much of the shit that we project onto mothers and motherhood and expectations of motherhood. Um, But when it comes to consensual non-consent play, I think that age play or big little play can be a really great... Opportunity to engage in that kind of play in a way that's very structured, that's slow moving, mm-hmm. and that's um, like accessible to people who can't just like pin each other down and throw each other around for hours on end. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I, you know, consensual non-consent play can look like yeah. that. Can look like a like rough takedown or a kidnapping or something that's um, really like physical power heavy. But being really intentional with the manipulation mm-hmm. of an inherent power dynamic uh, creates so much space for dialogue and scene setting and all of these like little details that make it really theatrical and fun at the same time as making it like extra insidious and extra taboo, like bath time, um, <laughs> <laughs> like big little bath time um, being an example, right? Like that's a, a fantasy stereo that kind of is there's sort of an inherent like non-consent happening in these dynamics because mm-hmm. when it's not between like mommy and mommy or like mommy and daddy, and mommies and daddies can play with each other for sure. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> uh, playing with little. Who understands a daddy better than a daddy? Right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So there's
3: um, but with the littles, there's this. There's always this subtext of um, that element. Not to say that people are not equal parts of making their scenes, and they absolutely should be, but. Um, I think there's a lot of room to explore what non-consent can look like in a lot of different ways, which is an important thing for us to be thinking about because people in the real world have this fucking stupid idea that sexual assault looks like a stranger like pinning you which in an alleyway, which Thank is you. You. like which is po- like hot porn, but in real life a lot of. Like actual abuse happens in these more insidious ways that we're not thinking about or not questioning because we don't allow ourselves to even go there, thinking that someone who occupies this role or this title would ever dare to cross those lines, and yet they do all the time. Mm-hmm. And or then you sometimes have,
0: in like little ways that are mm-hmm. like death by a thousand cuts, like mm-hmm. fucking you up. Right, yeah. right. And then where they like never cross the line, but they like come right up to it, and right. then they you tow know.
3: that motherfucker real hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that like being intentional about the things that are fucked up can make us more attuned to like dynamics that play out in real life when they shouldn't. Mm. I think it also like builds that trust in not only your
1: partner or daddy or whatever, but also in your damn self. Mm. You know, like consensual non-consent is so much fun. It's so great, mm. right? And that power dynamic is really hot. But it's all about trust. You can only really like get into a scenario where there's consensual non-consent with someone that you genuinely trust. And that takes a long time to build. Sometimes it's quicker than others, but you have to genuinely open and be like, ooh, I'm gonna keep on talking, and be uh, vulnerable (laughs) and have that trust with someone for them to either, one, to take on the responsibility of taking someone to a place where they didn't agree to, but they agreed to it. Right, Like you get free range, but also to let someone take you to that space. You know, like you have to let go so very much. And it's so, it's such a heavy requirement of trust, right? And if you trust your partner to that extent, you trust yourself because that's where it started in the first place. So like I really, I love that consensual non-consent, that power dynamic, and also that connection with self. I like my thing with kink, with BDSM, with sex is a holistic approach, Mm. right? And consensual non-consent when you can get to that space you're doing things you're, you're being a pervert in the most holistic way
0: mm. and that's beautiful holistic perversion yeah. that's what we're all about yeah I think we have time for one more question oh I'm so glad you asked if only we were qualified to talk about non-binary <laughs> not you. Shh.
2: I'm not I'm, I'll, <laughs>
0: just, the, the, I'll just rephrase the question um, can we talk about non-binary parenting like In general, but then maybe also in terms of like the fantasy like archetype of like how does a non-binary person relate to like gendered archetypes?
3: Mm -hmm. Corey, well, I don't want to put you (laughs) on the spot as the authority. (laughs) No, I'm I'm so excited that you asked. Um, I'm a trans person and a non-binary person, and I play sometimes as a daddy and sometimes as a mommy, and also um, I have a real life biological child on this earth and another one on the way. And so, like, these concepts of mommy and daddy are things that I have thought about a lot in a lot of different ways. And um, one of the things that, like, this is not so much a, like, tip for how to treat pregnant people, but one of the things that really annoys me about pregnancy, like, dialogue and discourse and reproduction in general is this presumed inherent connection between, like, divine womanhood and femininity and birth and reproduction. Um, I think that it is absolutely like well and wonderful to draw your power from femininity or to draw your power from womanhood if that's how you identify, which is not true for me. But the notion that there's like an inherent connection between womanness and birthing, or that you're like in this like ultimate iteration of yourself as a woman when you're birthing, just feels asinine to me because it's. Prescriptive, like our idea of what a woman is and that it's a woman's job to, like, make babies. Um, you know, people can reclaim whatever oppressive uh, <laughs> uh, narratives they want to, but that's still really present in that for me. And also there are lots of women who never <laughs> reproduce for any number of reasons, like both cis and trans, and they're, like lady shit is just as real as anybody else's and all of it is kind of made up anyway. Again, like not to say that you shouldn't draw your power from wherever it comes from, you should, but the like inherent conflation of those things feels problematic to me and also really limiting because I think that there are lots of different places and lots of different things that kind of come up and come into play and can get you through the experience of... Birth and parenting, um, and being able to to let go of some of the expectations of what it of what it's supposed to look like to present like femme or womanly in the world that is supposed to be like beautiful and not gory and not um, not taking up too much space like all these things that birth will absolutely force you to do can be really alleviating. And also, so I, like, for a really long time, I did not identify as a mommy at all. I identified exclusively as a daddy in play space, and my biological child calls me Papa. And I felt really, really distanced from the idea of anything to do with mommydom or motherhood until I started to think about it in the concept of uh, sex work and queerness, um, which is, I, I have been in the sex industry for about a decade now, and... It's a place where I did a lot of growing up, and I where I met and experienced a lot of mothers who had no biological relation to any of their children or their like underlings, um, like house mothers in the strip club and house mothers of like queer families. And um, for a little while, I lived in this uh, this apartment that we called the orphanage, <laughs> and all of my like sex worker friends who also had no like fam- like biological family support could come and be in this place, and we sort of started to form these family dynamics. And I realized that that motherhood can be a certain nurturing role or mothering or mommydom can be a nurturing role that has nothing to do with biological sex or reproduction at all. And that felt really, um, really liberating and, and exciting and as a place to kind of play around with different ideas. And so for me, the mommy dynamic is as someone who has chosen to nurture and who has chosen to hold very hard lines around when and where and who and how I will give of myself in that way, which... Uh, is, which is great, which has, like, alleviated a lot of my, like, resentment around being projected upon as a femme-presenting, like, visibly-reproducing person, and, I mean, in terms of, like, literal parenting, those same elements kind of apply for me, that, like, what's, obviously, like, there are no fantasy-like sexual elements in my relationships with my children, but in terms of, like, different genders and the different things that tapping into different gender presentations or different places that I... Different energies that my own powers and strengths come from um, absolutely benefits those relationships. And I think that, you know, ultimately, the the more adults and the more different adults you have to contribute to raising a child, the better. The more people who, like genuinely love and support and nurture like a little person it is only going to benefit them and so I don't feel and so I allow that to like also alleviate my guilt around the idea that I provide my kids with neither like a mother nor a father or something that's easily legible to their peers yeah that was a that's a, a little bit of a tailspin on that but oh
0: my god please keep spinning <laughs> <laughs> or or if you're done spinning that's also okay Th- thank you thank so much you. for talking about that
3: mm-hmm. I think it's the thing.
0: I think it's the thing too. It's definitely a thing. I think it's the thing we need to fucking talk about. But unfortunately, we're out of time to talk about things. So hopefully, we answered all of everyone's questions forever about incest. Um, sadly, uh, that's all the time that we have for today. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my loyal live sound engineer and photographer Ben Weber. Yes, everybody, ben. give it up for Ben. <laughs> As always, I want to thank the Pleasure Chest and, of course, my guests, Ashley Page. Thank you, thank you. That's awesome. And Corey Moore.
1: Where can people find you both on the internet? Mm, you can find me on either of my websites, Mistress mistresspagenyc, M-I-S-T-R-E-S-S, P-A-I-G-E-N-Y-C dot com or Ashley Page N-Y-C um, dot com. I'm also on Instagram, Mistress Page underscore N-Y-C. Page is P-A-I-G-E. And Twitter is Ashley Page N-Y-C.
0: And you?
3: Um, well, I don't think this episode would be complete without saying fuck FOSTA. Um, oh, yeah. 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm so, sort of getting there, but please uh, say fuck FOSTA. Yeah. yeah.
3: Fuck FOSTA. All of my ads are gone and my website is too. And it's probably mm. for the best in this climate. Yeah. You can find me on the Instagram and the Twitter and the Twitter if you're on that. And if you're not, you should be um, at Corey, C O R E Y X, more as in not less, M O R E. Yeah.
0: Cool, well,
3: let's see. Uh, Oh yeah, I'm Tina
0: Horn's ass on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, uh, as always, you can subscribe (coughs) to Wire People Into That wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And please support the decriminalization of sex work wherever you can, whatever you do. And also do what you can to destigmatize whores, sluts, perverts, and queers. Can I get a shout out to (laughs) whores, sluts, perverts, and queers? So thank you so much for coming and for all of your amazing questions. Now go enjoy your 15% off. The store is open till 10.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. 10? yeah t- great. And and thanks for being here. You've been listening to Why Are People Into That? Produced and hosted as always by yours truly, Tina Horn. If you want to support five years and counting of indie pervert media, check out the show's Patreon. That's patreon.com slash t-i-n-a-h-o-r-n. Please take a little time to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and keep telling your friends about the show. It really means the world to me follow me on twitter and instagram at tina horns ass for updates on live shows workshops and everything else i'm up to in and out of clothes this episode was edited by alexandra de palma of domino sound this episode was recorded live in front of an audience at the pleasure chest in new york city it was live engineered by ben weber our music is by treasure empire thanks for tuning in see you next time